the Rick and Danny show. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're here for the first time. I don't even know what to say, but yeah, this is our newly entitled podcast, the Rick and Danny show presented by Cancer Specialists of North Florida, still without a title sponsor. Uh, hopefully, Duncan, Duncan soon. Duncan Duncan, TBD. Please listen to us. Yeah, Duncan TBD is what we'll put for now. I'm going to start tagging them now that we'll have new social media. Good. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. Do, yeah. If we can tag all the locations, just tag them all. (laughs) Someone will come around. Plug it. Tag them all. Actually, I'm I'm wondering if someone in one of our neighborhoods might have a franchise that we need to talk to them about it, you know. So I'm just throwing things out there. You know what? I could write a letter. (laughs) So. anyways but yeah welcome everyone first episode of the rick and danny show by cancer specialists um rick how you doing living the dream man how are you danny i'm good i'm good are you missing the intro music or is i i like the intro music you used to set the table but then yeah producer brenna said no more change the name change the format do what i say going natural but i'm not on camera but i'm shaking my head just so everyone yeah. Well, Rick was experimenting with some beats over there, so we might come up with a new intro fairly soon. There it is. Brenna's shaking her head. It's so loud. In he has room. not perfected that yet, so, so we're going to need to see. For those of you whose eardrums I didn't destroy just now, uh, Danny, what, what do you want to talk about, man? I mean, I think I guess we have more freedom, is my understanding. This is an open forum to open talk forum. about whatever we want to talk about. Open forum. You know. Is there anything that's been tickling your brain here recently? Do you want to... Or actually, let me... Before we get into that, do you want to tell me a dad joke? <laughs> well, you're putting me on the spot, Rick. Look at this. This, this is a new... Me on the spot. This is turning over a new leaf. We have a new name. I'm going to start requesting dad jokes from you and putting you on the spot. Putting me on the spot. All right. What was this? Oh, I think Brenna sent me a joke. I that, did. That uh, I might have to throw out there. I send Let's... Danny jokes if I see them on yeah. Facebook. So let me let me throw this one out there because we haven't used this one yet. Isn't Facebook just one big dad joke? I would say so, yeah. yeah. Okay, Rick, ready? Uh, porn ready. Do they allow loud laughing in Hawaii? Uh, n- yes. No, just aloha. That's, that's, yeah. Weak sauce? Yeah. That's a little not, weak sauce. I not, thought it was pretty it, funny. That's not your best. It's, not your it's best. hard to read out loud. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a hard one to read out loud. It is. I should have, I should have said that before you read it. That's all right. It's not your best. All right. Let me, let me, yeah, let me flip a, to my book here. Okay. I've got a few, few saved up here. Um, thanks, Dr. Sugarman, for hooking me up with this book, by the way. Rick's, Rick's thankful to you as well. All right. What's the best snack to eat during a scary movie? I don't know. Obviously, ice cream. <laughs> Not bad. It's better. I'll do one more. Okay. I'll do one more. <laughs> We're heading in the right direction. So, okay. Why did the guy lose his job who worked at the orange juice factory? You got me. He just couldn't concentrate. <laughs> that's, that's not bad. I like that one. one. That's the best one. The mic is dropped. Now, back to topics. <laughs> God. Uh, we so, got to have a mic drop sound after my jokes. You want a mic drop or do you want like a... 
Yeah, either one would work. But they're vastly different. So which one? Oh, yeah. You don't want me walking out of the room after the joke. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Let's do some drum roll okay. before the joke and then cymbal right after. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Gotcha. I like that. Gotcha. So, what do you want to talk about? There's a lot of topics to talk about, Rick. What about these uh, COVID vaccine uh, booster shots? You want to talk about that? Sure, we can. Uh, I think um, well, we're recording this on April 29th, uh, yeah. 2022. Just so we don't look too irrelevant with our topics. So. Well, right. I just also, things change, right? Things so, change. I mean, I think, thankfully, knock on wood, hopefully, it seems like at least... The seroprevalence of this virus has pretty much permeated most of the United States. I mean, would you agree with that, said, disagree with that? I saw like a 60% infection rate or something out yeah. of the whole U.S., seems which low. seems low. Seems, seems very low. low. But that's, I mean, these are like, what, documented infections right. of either people that's reporting true. a self-test or right. having actually a, a drive I would test. imagine at this point, I mean, I think it has to be through... Most of the population that's been out and about has probably been exposed to it, I would imagine. Yeah, especially with Omicron. I, I can't imagine that, I mean, that that rate of infection. And I, I think there were a lot of infections that didn't get documented. For oh, Omicron. for sure. I think most people had unless, sinus unless issues. There's that like, well, I think were, a lot of people just stopped testing because it hasn't changed what you would 100%. necessarily do. Um, Even with an exposure within the house, right. you might not have tested yourself. Right. Maybe. Yeah. But anyways, so the fourth booster is the hot topic now. Should you get it? So, yeah. Wait. Or fourth, fourth shot. shot third, second booster. Second booster. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. you're right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think um, I think if you're in a very vulnerable population, older, immunocompromised, yeah. you know, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't help. Uh, but outside of that, it seems to be data's kind of... I think that's, the, that's where your hands are up a little bit, too, is like... It makes sense for the immunocompromised population, but is it actually needed, you know, right. for, for that population <clears throat> and even for the general population who have gotten three shots and have overall intact health without a compromised immune system, um, especially with Omicron and being a less deadly variant out of the variants that have been circulating. Yeah, I don't know. I think... Um... You know, you read, even in like the immunocompromised population, there seems to be, you know, I saw a study looking at cancer patients specifically with solid tumors. Mm -hmm. They don't have the same B cell immunity, but they have very robust T cell right. immunity. Um, so, you know, how much does that change factors even without the, you know, third booster? Mm -hmm. um, it's just an interesting, uh, interesting time because I think there's a, segment of the population that will keep getting the boosters and that, yeah that's totally their prerogative and then i think there's a segment of the population that <laughs> seemed like at least had to get kicking and screaming to get any vaccinations who probably you know right. won't yeah. even think about doing anything so it's sort of right. you know how do you balance those two things i don't know if there's an easy yeah. well there's definitely not an easy answer i think right now it's for someone who's not on cancer treatment not with a compromised immune system it's kind of a personal choice whatever you feel is best for your body and yeah. and your comfort level right um you know this some of the data that got reported recently was saying 
fourth dose uh, in patients without compromised immune systems uh, had um, had a, a roughly 50% reduction in infections compared to those with three dose, but the effect disappeared by eight weeks. And so you say, you know, it's effective, and, and I don't think anyone denies that it would be but effective. But is that just testing for an infection, or is that people self-reporting and having symptoms with an infection, you know? Because in the study, I yeah, imagine I, they're just te- swabbing people. I think so, right. I think so it would have to be a positive test. So it's basically, are you colonized or not? Right. Which, does that even... So like any, it's, like any it's other, more, go ahead. Yeah, it's more of severe COVID, right? We right. want to prevent hospitalization and, and severe illness. And they, they kind of state in here that, you know, the protection uh, was noted by the second week after the fourth dose. Protection still peaking at six weeks. Um, and Protection meaning what, antibody levels? No, no. They, I think they, they saw less severe infections. They're just comparing oh, so they actually compare. the number of patients with severe infections. And then they said roughly two-thirds among the four-dose recipients um, had a lower rate of severe infection. So, a, you know, pretty good number of patients. But I still think, and I don't have the absolute numbers here, but it has to be low generally yeah. uh, for severe infections with Omicron. You know, in people that had three shots, you would imagine that those people maybe didn't have the best robust immune systems. Yeah, uh, I think because most people who've had three vaccinations are not getting severe COVID from Omicron. I think that was pretty clear. Yeah, no, I mean, so. I think to me, it just is if you're in a, the most vulnerable population or you have a personal desire to get it, I think it makes sense. But outside of that, it seems. Yeah. Maybe the juice isn't worth the, the squeeze. Yeah. Is it harmful? Probably not. No. But right. how much benefit you're getting out of it. And I tell patients now, I mean, it depends on the patient's situation, of course. But, you know, if they're on some therapy that we know is compromising their immune system, the I think the benefit outweighs the harm from the treatment by getting a fourth shot. But um, if they're not all that immunocompromised, they're not on immunocompromising treatment, I, I kind of tell them what this is saying, that you may have a benefit for two to three months from it. Right. But right. if it's not a high infection right now in our area, right. I don't see a real need to do it. Right. And and if you don't have travel plans, right. you know, to where you're going on trips across the country and exposed to people who you may not know what their status is. So that's what I think. Sounds pretty reasonable to me. Reasonable. What else? Try, I'm trying not to wade too much into controversial waters. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Um, I don't, we probably, I mean, we can jump topic to topic, but it can be like, it can be whatever, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think, don't know. Yeah. I think everyone's tired of COVID. It's a lot new on our research front, actually. I'm kind of excited about that. A lot yeah. of new studies being open. We yeah. just got a new MDS. I'm not going to name all the details, names of the study, because we can't do the that. The one you sent the email about? New MDS study yeah, that's cool. coming out, which like is uh, investigating standard of care treatment plus uh, oral Go through therapy. for the listeners what's MDS. Yeah. So MDS is myelodysplastic syndrome. It's considered... Uh, a blood disease that's uh, lumped under a blood cancer, but what it really is is a, a precursor to acute leukemia. And there's varying risks to 
you know, how we guide patients on what their risk of getting leukemia is. But when you have myelodysplastic syndrome, um, you carry a risk of that turning into usually acute myeloid leukemia. Um, and we treat it based on symptoms and based on how likely we think the patient is to, to turn into leukemia and how soon. Um, and usually it's a lot of supportive care. So if patients have low blood counts, we try to make their blood counts better with different therapies. And uh, sometimes patients are at elevated risk to turn into leukemia to where we think in the next two years, their risk is like 50% turning into leukemia. And so those patients benefit from being on um, usually injectable therapies that try to help normalize their blood counts or at least get them to a point where they're... How do they work? Are they trying to stimulate like the... Is it like a typical stimulant of like um, kind of the early cells in the cell line? Or are these like yeah. drugs that are actually trying to inhibit the MDS process and transformation? So both. So we have growth factors that help stimulate blood production. So those are drugs like EPO, which is a hormone that helps... Uh, your body produce more red blood cells. We have growth hormones to help produce white blood cells so we can give those. And then we have drugs which are chemotherapy agents, but they're a little bit in a, a weaker form than what we would consider normal IV chemo that we give to patients. And, and they work by trying to get your bone marrow to pump out more normal blood cells. And um, they do it in, in, a, in a mechanism to alter the way genes are expressed and different things. But, but the general gist is to get your bone marrow to function more normally and produce more You're normal blood cells. trying to turn cells. down basically the ones that may be... The genes the, that are causing the, the abnormalities pro, right, in the, the cells. Right, the proliferation, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that's, that's been the mainstay of treatment for these patients for a long time is we give it usually in an injectable form and it's a standard of care. And we have a trial now open to uh, patients... Uh, and we screen patients for a certain uh, protein expression on those uh, blood cells that if they do have this protein expression on their blood cells, they're eligible for the trial. And it's randomizing people to the standard of care or the standard of care plus a pill that has been shown to be really effective for patients with that protein expression. That's so cool. It almost doubles the response rate. Wow. So That's awesome. Um, so we're really excited about that. And... Uh, a lot of other trials going on here. Yeah, I mean, we got the Pacific trial, the kind of the, the four, I think, um, which is, yeah, you know, really for early stage lung cancer patients who are treated with radiation up front, which is a, you know, a standard of care for early stage lung cancer, either in patients who don't want surgery or patients because of other medical problems can't get surgery. Mm -hmm. The standard of care is, you know, targeted radiation. And now we're seeing in this trial is does giving immunotherapy, which we've talked about extensively on other episodes does giving it after radiation does that increase you know people's chance of being cancer free as well mm -hmm. as maybe increasing their lifespan long term so i think that's pretty exciting um to yeah. see it in that you know in that setting and we have that open here um and then we have some of our other trials like the psma treatment trial which i know we've talked about before um, oh, yeah. but i guess is the unofficial <laughs> Theranostics person, uh, definitely a plug for that trial. So newly diagnosed metastatic prostate cancer. So patients who have new prostate cancer that's moved outside of the prostate can be eligible for that, um, testing whether adding this 
novel radio ligand mm-hmm. uh, agent, which is a radioactive molecule linked to a protein that's specific for prostate cancer. So it's injected through an IV similar to what medicines Dr. Danny usually gives. Um, mm-hmm. And then it travels around your body. And what it's supposed to do is anywhere there's this protein which matches to your prostate cancer, deliver radiation, which is pretty cool mechanism of action. And so, yeah, it's a pretty – lots of really good treatment trials actually going on right now, which is pretty cool. Trials. Yeah, a lot of – a lot of more uh, targeted treatment trials, people with specific mutations that now we're screening pretty much everyone for. So. I think, I mean, we've been, this has been the buzzword in cancer care, I feel like, for the last 15 years, but like, you know, targeted therapy, precision oncology, all mm-hmm. the buzzwords that people love to use. I mean, that's obviously the holy grail as we get to that point where we can screen you for all these different things, whether it's markers for Danny's medicine. There's now panels looking at radiation sensitivity. So some mm-hmm. tumors, are they more radiosensitive, less radiosensitive? That could allow us to dial up the dose, dial down the dose, give no dose. Yeah. You know, so there's, you know, all these different things being looked at. So hopefully we'll arrive at a point where in folks who have cancer, we'll be able to give even more mm-hmm. personalized and customized regimens at a way that, you know, hopefully doesn't break the bank. <laughs> Did you see some of that? I, I, looked at um there was a powerpoint presentation of the year review in prostate trials like cancer trials and uh the the psma uh ligand therapy and um and i think it was keytruda with it i think it might have been a phase two study yeah um but it's very i mean it's i think awesome that we're looking at these combinations that you know, and not just Keytruda, I'm not plugging Keytruda, but I'm just saying it's cool that we're looking at these combinations that are novel, that, you know, it's not just the same old taxane therapy. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, because I think in the studies that looked at immunotherapy alone for prostate cancer, they've kind of been... Iffy with the exception of um, TMB status and even even MSI, right? Right. So where we where we do have approval for immunotherapy. Right. I just I just of, meant it moving. Yes. It hasn't really yes. moved up the ranks because it's kind of yeah a relatively narrow window. It is. But yeah. you wonder if you would give it with a drug that breaks up the antigens of the tumor, like right. radiation. Right. In theory, would that allow for more immunoactivity? You know, with antigen recognition and you know yeah. all the rest. Sure. I think it's worth, I mean, I'm glad these studies are being done. It's worth yeah. looking into. But yeah, we've got to prove it on the study level before it becomes, I think, mainstream. But well, one of the hot trials that I saw pop up on the feed, too, is hot, hot trial. Hot trial. We should actually plug that, hot trial. I don't think, I doubt anyone's using that in other podcasts. You should you should maybe question, I'll, when someone trial. when someone hasn't used something, you should always question why. Maybe I'll name the episode hot trial. <laughs> I just, I, I, it, it flows off the tongue. Yeah, what are they, what are they? Quit while you're ahead. Come on. All right. So one of the hot Anyways, trials. One of the, one of the hot trials. Um, no, has been combining uh, immunotherapy, whether it's pd one PD-1 inhibition in melanoma with BRAF inhibition. And actually, this is one of the, the pitfalls that we've been talking about with trials and early approval for therapies based on progression-free survival. <laughs> and another trial just got reported. You combine a PD-1 inhibitor with BRAF, and you don't do any better than just the BRAF inhibition by itself. Right. And it, I, 
I don't know if it was Decentric or which immunotherapy with BRF inhibition, mm-hmm. got, but it got approved based on PFS. And then, of course, two subsequent trials, I think it was two, debunked that right. and said... So they, they didn't even have a PFS benefit. No, no, no. Not in this this current trial, right. no, and right. OS, definitely not. Right, well, yeah. So, yeah. so it just goes to if show you... you can't even meet PFS when you're adding therapies, then what are we doing here? And what's scary, though, is... And, and I haven't done this in practice. I know I work with Dr. Sugarman. She hasn't done this in practice. And we've come across a couple of patients who haven't been treated at our own center, but who have been on that combination. Right, then what do you do when they fail? Yeah, but they've been on that combination. And you say, why? You know, because there's really not good data for it. And even before this trial came out showing that, okay, there's no survival benefit. Um, it just goes to show you that there are some providers out there that will start young a new therapy before they actually interpret the data appropriately, you know? I've run into this a lot, uh, which is basically newer is not always better. Newer is not always better, right. Novel doesn't necessarily mean better. Um, You need to prove it. Yep. And uh, sometimes trials are designed in ways that don't really prove it, but they are designed in a way that get approval. Yeah. That'll be my slogan. That's Prove true. it, not just approval. And I think that's I really like the hot trial. That's <laughs> that's this is a. You guys went two different directions on that. I, I just one. like this could this I could I could have my own series of twenty yeah. podcasts about my thoughts about all that. But yeah, that's um, maybe we should do a weekend edition with Rick talking about. No, this. that would just be me like. <laughs> Bernie Rick, Sanders yelling four beers deep. That would just be me like <laughs> Bernie. I would just be like Let Bernie me. Sanders yelling to nobody <laughs> yeah. and no one would be listening and I would just be yelling. As long it. as you talked a little bit about golf between <laughs> someone would listen. No, no, I think everyone's like turn this guy off. But yeah, no, so that's my I mean, it's you just have to be very careful with how yeah. you just because something is approved doesn't mean it's better, doesn't mean a patient should get it. It's very tough. Yep. Especially when there's, you know, in a good way, there's a lot of new data and new drugs coming out at rapid paces. But mm-hmm. how those get actually applied to patients, you know, takes some takes some art of medicine as well as the science. 100%. Well, thank you guys for listening to the first episode of the Rick and Danny Show presented by Cancer Specialist Medical Minute. Nope. Oh, you're right. Oh, <laughs> See, Rick. See, my brain... My brain is just ingrained with the old the old name. It's okay. Take, we could take two on that. Yeah. We'll just keep the, keep that in the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us on our first episode of the new Rick and Danny show presented by Cancer Specialists. Of North Florida. Of North Florida. Nice. Yeah. That was nice good. Guys. Yeah. So All do right. we have a social media we direct them to now? Not yet. We will. Hey guys, Bruce Bernie here coming at you from the pod loft. At the time of our recording, we did not have social media, but we have it now, thankfully. So I wanted to cut this in here. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Danny Show, on Facebook and Instagram at Rick and Danny Show, and on YouTube at The Rick and Danny Show. If you have any questions, comments, dad jokes you want to share, if you're Dunkin' Donuts and you want to sponsor us, you can send us an email to rickanddannyshow at gmail.com. As always, we're available wherever podcasts are found, and please make sure you rate and review us on apple podcasts and spotify really helps us in the charts we need to prove to rick that we do in fact have listeners found wherever podcasts are sold and podcasts are sold to be some podcasts you have to pay for you by also dunkin donuts we could open up a sub stack
or a uh, Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> if I think we got to get listeners first. <laughs> we have listeners. Yeah. Five Brutal. bucks a month. Do we have a? Oh, you said we have a. We have a. We have a. We have international listeners. Right? Wanna, yeah. Do you want to open our next episode National with that one? Yeah. All right. All right. We'll say thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. See you next time. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.